welcome back to Dame It All to Hell. Mrs. Maryland, Kelly Gibson here. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed that as much as we did last week. It's going to be another great episode. We have an awesome guest, Frida Ajet, who has um, a really cool new initiative to bring together Democratic and Republican rim- women in a, in a run called Courage to Run. We'll get to that a little later in the episode, but we're stoked about it. And I'm Tracy Dietz, and it is primary day. Woo-hoo! Nothing like it. Maine, Nevada. North Dakota, South Carolina, Virginia, and Wisconsin. And I only care really right now about Virginia 10, which there is a race between Barbara Comstock and Shaq Hill, who uh, I don't want to say he's the worst candidate ever because that was Hillary Clinton. I mean, the motherfucker has endorsed pedophilia. He's, well... I mean, I'm pretty sure that's worse than Hillary Clinton. I can't. So he didn't endorse pedophilia. He just just hired a guy that was a pedophile, (gasps) but claims that he didn't really know it. He's fostered a bunch of kids. I I don't, I mean, I'm I'm not going to disparage the guy. I don't think he's like the worst human being ever alive, but I like Barbara Comstock and she's my girl. So (laughs) I'm working for somebody in the other, in the Democratic (laughs) primary. So it'll be interesting. It's a big one on the Dem side too. uh, It's fun. It's in the top, like top five for a Democratic pickup this cycle because it went for Hillary. Yeah, it's one. Of, uh, there's like, but it went for Obama too. Loudoun's weird. Loudoun County is a weird county. For sure, the Democratic sort of machine though has identified a series of congressional districts that have a Republican incumbent but voted Hillary in the last election right. cycle. So they they rise to the top yeah. of where the money will be. So hopefully, hopefully Barbara will hang on to that and then hang on it to it in the fall. Good too. luck, Barbara Comstock. Kind of, so. I'm sort of being false there. Anyway. Okay, why you got to not support women? I do. Just, all the women the running women on the Democratic side. Just the, I support the women all those support. women. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Thought we supported women. I'm disappointed in you, <laughs> you're Kelly. You're such. You wanted to say it. I really did. I really did. I really wanted to. Such you're a such a bitch. Such a bitch. Sometimes. Okay. We would like to welcome to Dame It All to Hell today our awesome guest Frida. Ajet, who we both have had the pleasure of meeting in other sort of in- industry events in the last couple of years, but are super excited she's on the, sh- on the show because she has recently rolled out a very cool event happening this fall, a 5K Run, Courage to Run, but we'll let her introduce herself. Great. Hi, dames. Thank you so <laughs> much for having me here. I'm really thrilled. And hello to all of our amazing listeners. Yes, my name is Frida Ajet. I am a former government affairs specialist and lobbyist who about six years ago, had an aha moment that I wasn't meant to lobby. I was meant to listen while living in London and became a certified leadership coach and neuropolitics professor hell-bent on returning to the United States to bring authenticity and well-being to the political class. And I've been doing that ever since. Well-being. We suck at well-being. Yeah. (laughs) It's not really, you know. And we we often, Tracy and I often talk about on this podcast about the balancing act, the juggling act, and how it can wear you down, both your body, but also just your brain and your ability to make good decisions along the way. (laughs) So tell us a little bit about what you announced this week. Wonderful. Yes. So this week, we, myself and 11 different diverse partner organizations and growing, rolled out a new leadership initiative called the Courage to Run 5K. It's a non Nonpartisan 5K run and walk that really is celebrating the rising wave of women lacing up, getting civically active, and running for office. And also, importantly, per the well being component, elevating the needed mindset, endurance, and heartfelt vision to be healthy and lead effectively in civic life today. There are really fierce, complex challenges facing our, our country right now. And in order to stay sane and sustainable, it need, it requires a, a new set of elevated skills. So can anybody run in the 5K? Can 
kids, men. Hell yeah. <laughs> so I told I was telling my husband about this last night. I'm like, so you're going to go do this 5K, which he will probably try to win because he's very competitive. <laughs> and then I want to put my two girls in it too. Fabulous. They've done, they've done a couple of um, 5K obstacle course things. We've done the whole zombie run <laughs> thing and like the ice cream runs. But this is just a straight, like they, they can knock out 3.1 miles. Yeah, walk day. halfway through. So awesome. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm so excited to yes. do this as a family. Oh, that'll be fantastic. <laughs> we definitely want girls. I know that Jennifer Lawless at American University has done a lot of research on political ambition in young women yeah. and has one report from 2013 that shows there's about a 25% increase in political ambition for young women that are involved in sports in mm. their collegiate years. So very important. Because competition, awesome. while uh, something women fear or shy away from, just, you know, the whole being raised as a good girl and being amenable to group activities and being one that leads when it's appropriate, but also follows. It can be in direct conflict with just straight up competition. And so it does not surprise me that there is the there is the the tie there. So you called it a leadership initiative. Tell mm-hmm. us a little bit about how a run can be a leadership initiative. Explain that a little. Well, so one of the mantras is that whether running a 5K, running a cause, running an organization, running for office or running our government, it takes a lot of courage. And when Courage to Run came to mind, it actually happened when I was on sabbatical, mm-hmm. living in London um, from the government affairs firm that I was presently working at. I went to get my master's in organizational and social psychology at the London School of Economics and Political Science. And this was 2012. Uh, it was the first time in a decade I wasn't involved in a political campaign as a volunteer, as a grass tops leader, as an operative in some capacity. And also was the first year into recovery from a really devastating, fucked up eating disorder that really controlled me and ruled me for 15 years. I mean, everything, everything. I've done it, you know, like restriction. If I was feeling powerless and trying to control, if I was feeling overwhelmed by emotion, I would purge like any which way I could think about. I won't get into the details. It's pretty disgusting and horrifying. And if I was lonely or felt tired and felt like I needed to keep, keep going, I would isolate and eat. And while I was there, I had hit bottom before, thank God, and knew I would lose everything if I didn't get my shit together. And while I was in London, I, yeah, I lived across from Hyde Park in Notting Hill. (laughs) I feel feel kind of embarrassed to say, but the closer we got to that area, we're like, oh my God, this is amazing. (laughs) We have to live here. But I, w- I found myself uh, across the street in Hyde Park walking and then eventually running around Hyde Park, adding loops, and eventually ran a half marathon and a full marathon and was amazed by the resiliency of our bodies and how they're able to heal when we allow them. Because I had suffered from stitches, you know, damaged organs, just a lot of devastation to my body. How did you get control of that? A lot of help and a lot of humility. It takes, I mean, it takes the help to find the humility, right? Right. Or is that inner, inward, inward looking? Well, it takes the hell to find the help <laughs> to find the humility. <laughs> and um, and so that's why a lot of the discussion right now about Kate Spade and Anthony Bourdain and mental yeah. illness is really in- is really timely and interesting because a lot of people that may not necessarily suffer from an eating disorder, one in five Americans do suffer from mental illness in some capacity. But I'm going on a little tangent no, right now. Yeah, it's like my brain is important. tick, 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 ticking right. because the so the, my original question about the leadership initiative and a run makes a lot of sense the courage to do something scary and for for a lot of people you know getting out there with a big group of people and, and saying I'm going to run three miles if that's not if you're not a runner quote unquote I have it in quotes because 
ever to be a runner, people think that you have to be a marathon runner and not just um, a hobby runner, a you know, a jogger. Yeah, so I'm a jogger. But you, you know. The courage to run is one thing. Humility, we don't have a lot of that in our political system currently. We don't have a lot of that in society. No, anymore. but I wonder with this surge of women running. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tracy, do you think women are generally more humble than men? She hates questions like that. Uh, yes, I do. Because I think women are used to being criticized and having to to deal with stuff that men don't always have to. Men always think they're number one. Women do not. Like, how many women do you know that, like, walk into a room and you're like, you know what? I got on a freaking extra small shirt today and I look fucking fabulous. No, we don't do stuff like that. I try to, but I'm kind of faking it. Yeah. It's just to, like, you've been, motivate you've been myself. And, right. Yeah. Because I've been motivated that I'm not perfect and I'm not the best. And it's it's hard for all of us. So more w- women running for office and meaning more women winning. Let's go. God, let's hope they win in November. I mean, there's signs, too, that it won't be hijangoist wins, but it'll be significant wins. Could change some of the makeup, the, the sort of inner makeup of the people that run this country. Absolutely. And touching on a couple things that you just said, Kelly, you know, when I was running around Hyde Park and the aha moment happened, it was during the election. And I was like, oh, my God, it takes so much courage to run. 2012. 2012. Yeah. yeah thank you. And I was like, I'm going to raise money for all these women running for office. And I'm like, no one fucking cares, Frida. You're like on sabbatical in London. And then I thought this could be something so much bigger. And really what came to me was whether the the mantra that I articulated earlier, but then also what we're talking about in terms of humility, that whether you're running a household, whether that you're saying no, whether you're saying yes, whether you're running a team, asserting an opinion um, for a lot of women takes a lot of courage. Yeah. Courage is the ability to walk through fear and to the willingness to be visible. And I think one thing that's so encouraging about this election and those women that are stepping up, many of them didn't need to be asked. You know, historically, yeah. women need to be asked up to seven Well, because they got so fucking pissed off that they yes. just were like, you know, <laughs> screw it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the hope also with this this leadership initiative is that you know, democracy is a marathon with a lot of sp- sprints along the way. And so we it's don't like want one of those this... super races. What it's is a, it called when oh, people an ultra run marathon. Like, oh, my God. Those are crazy. <laughs> those are like 100 miles. 100 things. miles through the woods Endurance. or whatever. Yeah, yeah in that? like, oh, hell to the no. <laughs> Although, I mean, you never say never. But right now, that's not in my cards. No. Um, How many marathons have you run? Sorry, oh, I've, only, I've only run two. I've okay. done a lot of half marathons. I did the marathon that I did where I had my aha moment. Six years ago, and then I just did one. In 94-degree so, weather. Yes, which was so wrong. <laughs> so I'm totally getting off topic. So you ran a marathon yes. with an eating disorder. No, I— You were, you were, you were on recovery. Yes, that and that was what was so amazing about it was that somebody who had abused and weaponized— exercise, something that I love. I've always been a very active person. My mom loves telling the story of when I was like three weeks old, I rolled under the couch and she's like, (laughs) where's my baby? You know, and I didn't really talk. Um, So, so it brings such joy. You know, dancing is, I love dancing. It's such a joyful thing. And, but my eating disorder would, would take it and be like, if you don't do this, then you're, you know, a fuck up or something. You don't have value. And so that was one of the miracles of it was it, I was at one of the healthiest I've ever been in terms of my mindset, in terms of the way I was training. And it was, it was, it was wonderful. Wow. 
So is this this is the kickoff event? The kickoff. And so you what you've described is not just a 5K in September, right? What you've described is a lasting infrastructure to allow women to step up and have the courage and take have the opinions and run. So what happens after we all cross the finish line? Well, that is still evolving. Yeah. We definitely want this to be the first mm-hmm. courage to run and make it an annual thing, especially as we have some pretty big elections mm-hmm. coming down the pike in the upcoming years. So definitely stay tuned. One thing that we're doing as part of the uh, a part of the Courage to Run 5K this September is providing leadership skill drills and training training tips that easily fit within the day-to-day of political and campaign life. Mm-hmm. So that's really important is yeah. we can't all like go on a five-day silent meditation <laughs> retreat in the middle of the midterms or um, that absolute thinking is, you know, we were talking about humility isn't healthy or constructive. So it's really about you know, what are some things that you can do in your day to day, whether it's taking a mindful minute, whether it's um, different mantras that help put you in a in a positive psychology, generative thinking space mm-hmm. and bringing in a lot of elite athletic practices, visualizations, some neuroscience as well. So we can integrate the ha- science of happiness. So people are, you know, running on happiness, health and high yeah. performance um, into the midterms. It would be people would be so much more productive in this space if they could maintain their health from the beginning of a cycle to the end. In my shop, we end up working really, really late nights. And with that comes eating in the office and drinking in the office. And um, Sarah, who runs my production department, who who's a very good friend of mine, we sort of, after the election cycle, we're like, okay, we're going to get back in it. We're going to start to work out like we always did and just be thoughtful of all that. And we've sort of made a pledge to each other to carry that throughout the campaign cycle. And imagine if there was an industry sort of norm that you didn't have to be um, sort of handicapped by the needs and the pressures and the sort of manufactured drama of working in politics. Mm -hmm. Um, So that feels like it feels fresh a little bit to bring physical fitness to all the other shit you need to be able to run for office. Do you think it's possible to stay completely healthy through a cycle? And and, I mean, there's so let me clarify that. Because stress. Because there's there's healthy and then there's slightly unhealthy. Like, I mean, there's a difference. And and you and I both talk about this all the time. Like occasionally, like you overeat, you drink too much, you're just not in and you gain a couple pounds, mm-hmm. you're not in as good a shape. And then you reverse that pretty quickly and then make some changes and walk a little more or do whatever yeah. and, and change it. But do we think that it's okay to sort of, I don't want to say let yourself go because that's extreme, but sort of let this the stress of the cycle take control of you and then just get back into it after the cycle's over? Or should we find a way to better take care of ourselves during the cycle so that that doesn't have to happen? Well, I'm sure Frida has an answer to that. I think so. Yeah, I think absolutes are always dangerous. Yeah. <clears throat> We're definitely living in, a, in an era of absolutes right now, so I tend to shy away from that. I think that one of the key components of this is stress. And so that's why mindset and endurance are part of the Courage to Run ethos. Well, thank you for being on, everybody. So tell, so so pitch the the run, the 5K. So join us, everyone. This is for political players and civic believers on September 16th in Washington, D.C., the CourageToRun.org. Join us today. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. so fun. I'm Tracy running. I'll be in there. Yep, my kids are running. Team Kelly t-shirts. Let, yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> my kids are wearing team <laughs> medals and everything. They're we'll so excited. Awesome. Yeah. My kids will do anything for a medal. All They're right. Ridiculous. We'll have Frida back right before the run. So thanks awesome. all for um, thanks for joining us. Thanks and, for having uh, me. We'll see you next it's time. It's great to have you. Thanks so much. So 
I travel a bunch for my work. And when I'm on the road, I don't I don't have any like magazine subscriptions in my life. But when I'm on the road, I stop and I pick up some magazines in the sort of Hudson News. And Glamour is one of my favorites because it's got some style in there. But it also has these often has really interesting articles. You should totally read Lady Porn when you travel. It's great. <laughs> You know, sometimes I watch movies on my machine and there are sex scenes. It's really uncomfortable. I try to like hide it from the people around me and they're like, what is happening? That's why you got to read porn on your Kindle. Nobody knows. I did. Well, it's not porn, but I read almost all the Fifty Shades while I was traveling, which is like on the edge, you know. But I did rent just sidebar. I rented Red Sparrow on my last trip with Jennifer Lawrence. Lawrence. And it's not a ton of sex, but there are some like. Right, there's like a straight up rape scene, and I'm just like, and she had like tits out rape scene, and I'm just like, oh my god, I was so my whole body turned bright red. I was so uncomfortable, and I like then I was like scrubbing through the sex scenes. It's not a good way to watch a movie. I just want to. say. And you were watching but, this on your laptop or on your phone? On my laptop, so yeah. it's like it's not huge, but it's, it's like less big of enough an for issue the, if you sit in first class. Yeah, right. I, I okay. myself was. <laughs> you are such a one percenter. That's the second time in this show that she's a one percenter. Okay, so anyway, I I picked up Glamour magazine, and there was this amazing article that I thought was perfect to read on the pod. So it's called the conversation which must be a new sort of thing that they're doing. And the title of the article is, Can a Woman and a Man Really Talk About the Hashtag Me Too? These statistics are retarded, okay. by the way. <laughs> I know. It doesn't really mean I to say that. I know I'm yes. not allowed to say that, <laughs> but they are fucking retarded. So not all of them. They're it, all, It's interesting. So, so this is a, this is a survey that Glamour conducted with GQ magazine to try to be, I have the magazine actually with me here, and they surveyed and sourced answers from more than 1,000 men between the ages of 18 and 55 from all across the country. And as, as the article states, the results were complicated. So I thought the fun thing would to do would if I just sort of read out some of the, t- the statistics from this survey and just we'll just like get Tracy's off-the-cuff response. I mean, I'm sure I'll have something to say about it all, but let's start with Tracy Deeds this time. I was actually trying to stop swearing, too. So 47% of the men surveyed said they hadn't discussed the movement with anyone else. What fucking rock are they living (laughs) under? Like, seriously. Do you just not work? So this doesn't mean that they didn't know about it. They stay at home dads. They just never had 47% of nothing are stay-at-home dads. I mean, even if you're I don't know. I'm just saying, like, 47% of men are like they all stay at home dads. Because then maybe they wouldn't have discussed it with their... So, but I then mean, how would they not discuss it with your fucking wives? Part like, of the article is like that pe- men have felt that the movement has been exclusive to them. Aww. I know. Aww. <laughs> that was my exact response. <laughs> I know. And that's um, funny. Yeah, and that there nobody's giving them the men. space to have an opinion about that's, it. Oh, that's so sad. <laughs> we want to give them space to have an opinion, which is pretty on funny when it's acceptable to rape us. That's good. We want to give them an opinion on that. You know, that's good. for people that do polling work, you know that there's qu- quantitative answers where you just respond and that's how we get these statistics. And then there's verbatims. So qualitative responses. So actually, before and, you keep going, I do want to ask a question. Okay. So there were like 1,200 men that were polled. 1,000 men, according to the article. 1,000 men. Yes. Were, was it nationwide? It says ages 18 to 55 from all across the country. Okay. So it didn't say all 50 states, but it said all across the country. Okay. So one of the verbatims or the qualitative responses is, quote, all this movement will do is stigmatize men and lead to further distrust of women. So you and I have talked about this before. we got to call bullshit on that, right? Eh, I mean, I, I think we have to find a balance. <laughs> We've had some issues with this. Uh, we've talked the not about not traveling with women and stuff. Right. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's actually caused a problem. <laughs> but really? Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so one of the one, – one man wrote in their verbatims, quote, the movement doesn't come across as inclusive to men. 
And, and, and the GQ reporter on this said, to be honest, I feel some of that trepidation as well. That men feel if they're not specifically asked for their feedback, they shouldn't be allowed to have an opinion about it. Well, I mean, that's... I mean, but, in this case, but, they were specifically asked for their feedback. But, but we've, I think we've often asked men for their feedback in this. Right. You know who's used way. to not being asked for their feedback? Women. Women. Okay, here's the next one. 38% of men said hashtag me too had made them reevaluate their past sexual experiences. Only 38%. <laughs> Fuck every man on the planet. Only 38 fucking percent? Oh, that was a really good response, Tracy. Like, I didn't know... I just, I guess, I guess, I, didn't know what to expect. I suspect that there, many of the men I know have never done anything inappropriate to women. So there was They've nothing been, to reevaluate? Right. Is that what you're but, saying? but, but, <laughs> but, even those men, even the good ones have gone, huh, for even, it's just a fucking second. Yeah. You don't have to reevaluate your whole life. Your naked time. It's just about right. reevaluating how you've interacted just, with women. Huh. In fact, either? There was another man on the record verbatim saying, quote, how do you define the boundary between unwanted, unwanted but harmless advances in sexual harassment? Which is interesting about this reevaluation piece. So the difference for me, and I, I sort of promised I would let you respond to everything. Would you like to respond to that? I, I, I would. Yeah. But I, I think, I think, that, I think it, it, it's very simple. If you ask her out on a date and she says no, leave her the fuck alone. If you make a joke with innuendo and she doesn't laugh, leave her the fuck alone. Like, it's not that complicated. So it is interesting. So like I said, this article has one reporter from Glamour and one reporter from GQ. And and on this case, the reporter from Glamour said, "Um, the principle that I employ is that everyone gets one free pass. When you put your interest out, this is actually a man that's saying, when you put your interest out, regardless of how overt or covert the advance was, that's all you're entitled to. And the woman said she had to pause because her thing had always been she wouldn't go home with a guy unless he tried twice. So everybody has all these unspoken fucking rules. So the guy's rule is I'm going to put myself out there, either sort of um, nuanced or or outward. But if she says no, I'm out. And her rule was always like, if he really wants me, he'll ask me twice, which is why the line is so so fucking gray. No, it's not gray. But if you're asking somebody out on a date, that is different. This is like at a bar. Grabbing their boob or like what? Well, this is just like hopefully like a witty quip to try to get one's attention. So, So there's always like the thing where men fish. Like they drop a a thing where so a woman, dating anyone? No, not even that. Like a woman <laughs> will make some comment about how you know I don't know. Like um, you know I prefer aggressive men, and then the guy's like, so then I should be more aggressive. And if her response is yes, there you go. <laughs> if her response is I'm good, yeah. you probably don't need to be more aggressive. Yeah, part of and it is. And if you try, so here's the thing. But the, there's a difference between being in a bar and being in a work. In a bar, people are trying to hook up and do whatever. Like yeah. I don't, I don't think it's harassment if a guy is hitting on you in a bar. In a work and office environment, yeah. it's different. But I'm not sure. I, I hear what you're saying, but I don't think it's going. I don't think that's what the trend is. You know. But I don't think the MeToo movement. We're talking about bars. I think sometimes we are. Mm. I mean, I think that women. I care are less about that. Sure. Do, yeah, I Which care your, far less about that. My than opinion work. is like we all have to let our own fucking rules go and start to think about other people instead of ourselves. Okay, here's the next. Men one. Men are gonna needs. try to fuck women. Right, and women. Some women, some of whom I sit across once a week, are also going to try to fuck men. I mean, her own husband. But yes, he's very okay, attractive. Here's the next one. He grew a beard for me. A for third my of men, eighteen to fifty-five. 
are worried about being wrongfully accused of sexually sexual harassment in the workplace. A third of men. So it would be interesting to look at statistics of all of the women that have pursued or charged people with sexual harassment in the it's workplace. It's going to be really small. Super duper small. Like what I suspect it's far less than 33%. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, yes. Like less than 10, less than 5 probably. Right. But men have fragile egos. I call Despite the fact that. that they all think that they're right, never Right, and they're one. also, they're fucking scared right now because they've never been anything, to, they've never had anything to be terribly scared of. Women are, women go into a workplace. Women walk out after a dinner with their girlfriends scared of being approached on the street. I mean, women women deal with fear. Okay, so being approached the on the time. street. I mean, being raped. I was trying to be kind right, about it. Right, but, but you and I walk to our cars together when we're at but events because we're worried about But that's different than a work environment. No, no, I'm just so saying it's fear. It's right. just fear, right? Right. Women, women are confronted with fear all the time. Okay, 84% of men are worried accusations of sexual misconduct could harm the reputations of men who don't deserve it. 84% of the men surveyed are worried men are going to go down for no fucking reason. I, mean, I wonder how, again, I'm going to go back to percentages, how many people have gone down for no reason. And there most certainly I w- are cases. I would like to say like zero, maybe 0. 0.01. Right. But that is some shit right there. That And that's really telling 84% of the men surveyed. But men are worried because men aren't in control and men aren't. Men are still fucking in control. Give me a break. They don't feel like they're part of the movement. Not in this. Men aren't in control. Fuck that shit. We are now in control. You need to saddle up and get on that shit. We are in control, Kelly Gibson. Okay, Tracy. That is what's happening right now. Okay, here's the next one. 59% of men think women who have accused men of sexual misconduct have been fairly treated coming out. 59% say say women who have had the courage to say, this guy did me wrong, have, have been received with fairness. So I think that it's absolutely different since October of 2017 and before. No, but this is a survey happening now. So they, I mean, they have to be. Totally. But I think women, know. I mean, I think women are being listened to now. So are they treated fairly? I, I don't know. I mean, I definitely think that it is very different now than it was two years ago. Um, so, t- so do I think that there are women that are coming forward being treated fairly? Absolutely. Do I think that there are women before October of You don't think there are women coming forward now being fair, being treated unfairly? Like anywhere, I'm like sh- a print shop in Indianapolis. I have. I don't know. I don't know the statistics. Yeah. I have no idea. No, I'm asking for your gut, your reaction, your thoughts. You're an influencer now. You have a podcast. I do think that it's different now. And I was just down at the beach with my sister and some friends of hers, and and her one of my sister's friends is in HR for a company, a very large company, and she was talking about. <laughs> she was actually speaking very negatively about millennials. Oh, I am one. We I should know. meet. She would love me. I know. You are not like the millennials <laughs> know, in her office. And so she was talking about how- I'm a grown fucking millennial. Because uh, the Me Too movement has actually cha- totally changed HR now. And so every- but in a good way, right? Good and bad. And here's bad. Not necessarily to men and women, but there are millennials that are coming forward complaining that I sneezed. And so-and-so didn't say bless you. Oh, goddamn. That's not Me Too. Me Too involves vaginas and penises. I, I totally agree. Bless you. Also, that's like religious and companies aren't allowed to be fucking religious. Why not? I'm just saying. Wait, I, don't, I don't want to derail the conversation. 
I'm just saying that there are now women feel comfortable coming forward about so-and-so is being mean to me. Being this treated unfairly. By, by other women, not even it's, it's well, had to tell those this. kids to grow the fuck up. Right. Okay. Totally. So we're going to end on a good note. The last one, which was my happy, happy place in, in, in finishing this article, is 77% of men told us it's a must to get consent during each stage of a sexual encounter, which I think you're going to hate, but I love. Who are the twenty three percent? No, I thought you wouldn't like it because if you're in a if you're in a sexual experience where everybody has done all the work getting there with consent to the first place, then you don't need like can I touch your boob? We talked about this before. Can I touch your boob? Can I take off your pants? Can I grab your ass? So I think consent is defined uh, in different ways. Yeah, but the fact that seventy seven percent of men think that consent is important. Yeah, through regardless the whole process, of whether they whether it's verbal or physical or whatever. I mean, I think that's a good sign. Totally. I don't think verbal consent is always necessary. necessary. Well, that's fair. Well, enough. we don't consent teach. Comes in different. Yeah, I think I we mean, should, but teach everybody that really. You, well, just to know. So you want know your what husband you to ask you if he can kiss you? No, no, know what you need. Right. No, like right. all, all women should know what right. they need to feel good in a situation, right. you know. Right. So for those and listeners should, that want to read it, it's in the June July episode. And um, women should just be able to say, like, I need you to ask permission or whatever. Yeah. All right. Thanks for joining us. We hope you liked the episode, and uh, we'll be back again next week. Always are, and we'll be able to find out what happened in these primaries. I know it's going to be crazy. Thanks so much. We had lots of fun today. Listen and subscribe to Dame It All to Hell on Apple Podcasts, Stitchers, wherever you hear podcast. Awesome. Thanks, guys. See you next week. Thank you.